Coming up on this week's edition of Stat Pack, we pay homage to the Breaking Bad series finale as we break down the bad in the NFL and, of course, have to mix in a little bit of the show. We compare some players, coaches to the Breaking Bad characters. All that and more on Stat Pack. Welcome to this week's edition of Stat Pack. Providing you with a six-pack of subjects featuring the cold, hard football facts and the stats that truly matter. Here's your host, Adam Dubowalski. Hello and welcome to the week four edition of Stat Pack. I'm your host, Adam Dubrovalski, and it's a fun time of year. We're finally finding out who's ready to collapse, who's ready to get a glorious season started, and we're starting to have just enough to know about which teams may need to make a few changes, which teams are coming out of nowhere. We are getting into week four. We are just about done with that first quarter of the season already. I know, time flies by when you're having fun. And I know for many of you Breaking Bad fans out there, five seasons are already done and the series coming to an end on Sunday. So why not pay homage to the show? It's one of the most anticipated finales of all time. So we're going to mix a little fun here. We're going to stew up something and cook up something nice for you on this edition of Stat Pack. We'll start things off as usual with our Mathletics tie-in, talking about the bad in the NFL. We'll also, as mentioned, tie in some of the show's characters to figures in the NFL. Also look at the big board, the intelligence index, the king of props, and a six-pack of top games for the upcoming week. Let's get things started. Find out what stats and trends you can buy or sell as we delve into this week's Mathletics. Well, let's begin things off with a look at the Mathletics of Week 3. What just happened and really the first three weeks in general as we are breaking down the bad of the NFL so far. Disappointing teams. What are wrong with these teams? What is wrong? What could be fixed? Could there be some regression in the way... As we break down the Mathletics, we're going to find out which teams who are just playing so bad as of late, how they might be able to turn things around, or maybe if they just need to get ready for 2014. Let's get things started with the New York Giants. Now, 0-3 on the season after losing 38 to nothing against the Carolina Panthers. Eli Manning sacked seven times in the first half, and the defense continues to struggle. The offensive line is bad. They can't run. They can't pass protect. Nothing's going right for Big Blue. Just look at this. 31st in bendability. 31st in real quarterback rating differential. 30th in pass rating differential. Dead last in the offensive hog index. 29th in the defensive hog index. 31st in rusher rating differential. Dead last in giveaways. Tied for last in turnover margin. And 29th in the intelligence index. The Giants in rare company when you think about it over the last 20 years. Teams with at least 12 giveaways through three games, and the Giants have 13. So they're one of those teams. It's in total 13 teams. Giants becoming the 14th in the last two decades. Only two teams made the postseason. The Houston Oilers in 1993 and the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2002. 
and only the Steelers won a playoff game and they had to come back from 17 to win at home against the Cleveland Browns. There was the 2005 Minnesota Vikings 9-7 and and the 2009 Panthers 8-8, eight and eight. but you have some other teams like the 2010 Carolina Panthers going 2-14. and 14. Same with the 2001 Detroit Lions. The 2001 Dallas Cowboys, 5-11. and 11. A trio of teams, 6-10. and 10. And, Oh yeah, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles last year, 4-12. and 12. Bottom line, I think we can split this up into two things. One on the Mathletic side, if you have an established quarterback and you have an established team and they just happen to have their really bad string of play be the first two games that'll eventually regress to the mean and that experienced team and that strong quarterback will eventually get his play back to at least respectable level maybe even player caliber a playoff caliber level on the other side even though you might have the giveaways regress to the mean because let's face it especially nowadays in the nfl There's not going to be a team that has 64 giveaways in the season. The Giants averaging four per game. They're not going to continue that through 16 games. But the other side of it is, despite the regression, it's not going to be enough because the team is just bad. And right now for the Giants, I'm looking at what they're doing and I'm finding no signs of promise besides their past history. You have those two Super Bowls, 2007, 2011. Obviously, not too far away from their most recent Super Bowl. But just looking at the quality stats right now, there's absolutely nothing, nothing that suggests that when this team's turnovers regress, that the entire team is going to find a way to get back into the postseason. Remember, this is a Giants team that generally struggles in the second half of the season, having past collapses, including Last year, after the Giants having a 6-2 and two start, they finished 9-7. and seven. So if the Giants are already 0-3 and they struggle more in the second half, could this mean the Giants are due for a 4-12, and 5-11 season maybe even? I know, Eli Manning is a good quarterback. But if you look at his passer rating relative to the league's averages throughout Manning's career, it's barely above average. So if we're looking at the quality stats... I think regression's not enough for the Giants. I think their season is cooked. Next up on our list, the Pittsburgh Steelers, another 0-3 team. How about this? It's the first time since 1970 that both the Giants and Steelers are 0-3. So I'm sure many Cowboys fans enjoy that. Eagles fans enjoying it. Maybe out in the AFC North, other teams like the Cleveland Browns are very much enjoying these teams struggling. For the Steelers, what you need to know about them, they're 30th in scoreability and bendability, 31st in the intelligence index when you put those two together. They're the only team in the NFL without a takeaway through three games and just the sixth ever team in NFL history to be without a takeaway through the first three games of the season. Those other five teams, the 2005 Houston Texans, 2-14. 2004 Rams, 8-8. Eight eight. 2002 Bengals, 2-14. 1998 Detroit Lions, 5-11. The only exception to the rule, the 79 Denver Broncos, 10-6. They lost their first playoff game, but they did go 2-1 despite not having a takeaway. I think we can see that that team was due for some regression and that they would be able to to capitalize off the regression. 
Could the Steelers do it? I just, I don't know. A little bit more breaking them down. That negative nine turnover margin through three games along with the Giants. Uh, you look at that over the last three decades, you have those two teams. The 2011 Pittsburgh Steelers, a playoff team, 12-4. and four. The 01 Lions, the 97 Saints already mentioned, neither one of them made the playoffs. But you have two teams in 92, the 2-14 and 14 Patriots, the 7-9 and nine Raiders. The Lions in 89 went 7-9, and nine, and the Redskins in 1985 went 10-6. So the history, again, a little bit split here. We're talking either about a good team that is having an uncharacteristic bad stretch or pretty much the foretelling sign of a bad team for the rest of the season. Ben Roethlisberger hasn't exactly been playing bad until last week. And right now, if I had to trust someone to bounce back, it would be more Ben Roethlisberger than Eli Manning. Throughout Manning's career, he's had stretches where he struggled with turnovers, had average statistics. Roethlisberger has done better throughout his career. His only problem is sometimes he's not on the field because he gets injured. If Ben Roethlisberger gets injured for the Steelers, you can pretty much kiss the season goodbye. You can kiss the cook goodbye. Whatever you want to do, the season's going to be over anytime in this season if Ben Roethlisberger gets injured because obviously the margin of error is pretty much over with. The Steelers, a faint glimmer of hope, not just because of Ben Roethlisberger, but because of Yes, their passing defense is still hanging around just a little bit. As you look at the uh, the uh, black and yellow here, the Steelers, some of their key indicators like defensive real passing yards per attempt, 11th, pretty good, not terrible, 14th in defensive passer rating, 18th in defensive real quarterback rating. That's hanging around there. And again, this is a team that has yet to get a takeaway. So... Once they start getting those turnovers, it'll eventually happen. They could improve in that area, and they could find a way to fight back to 500. And maybe, just maybe, if they get a little bit beyond the average return for that regression, they could still be fighting for a playoff spot. Though I highly doubt it. I just don't see it happening. But definitely a better chance than the New York Giants. Up next, the Washington Redskins, the third 0-3 team on this list. That is an absolute shock. Many people expected the Redskins to regress somehow. RG3 coming back from his knee injury. Yes, starting game one, but rusty as expected. Maybe even a little bit more. But did anyone expect this Washington pass defense getting back Brian Arakpo after playing so well in the final seven weeks to so far have a defensive pass rating of 120.13? That's worst in the league. And in fact, if you go back uh, to our quality stats database, if you're a cold, hard football facts insider, and if not, check it out. Fantastic prices to get you all the inside stats and, of course, all the tips you need to know to help you win some money on the lines, in the bets. But anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked here because we'll talk about that a little bit more later. There's Washington Redskins with that 120-plus defensive pass rating through three games. It is just the seventh time since 2004, back to when we began our quality stats. So this has happened through three weeks. The 2009 and 2008 Detroit Lions, you know, 0-8, uh, 0 
Eight lines went 0 and 16. 09 lines went 2 and 14. Two of the worst ever defensive pass ratings. You have the 08 Rams, 2 and 14. The 2007 Saints, 7 and 9. The 2006 Texans, 6 and 10. The 2006 Detroit Lions, 3 and 13. You look at that list, and it's pretty obvious. The Washington Redskins are done for. They have no chance of coming back. It's a virtual lock. RG3, great quarterback. Well, the 2007 Saints had a great quarterback in Drew Brees. Brees finished with an upper 80 passer rating that year. I think that's the cap right now for RG3 because he's pretty much already at the point of regression. Last year had just five interceptions as opposed to 20 touchdowns. You look at what RG3 has done so far this season and while he's been turning the ball obviously over at a much higher rate this year because through three games RG3 has five touchdowns and four interceptions with an interception each of his three games also four fumbles so he's right there for the turnover regression at best the Washington Redskins will be seven and nine now I'm going to get to three one and two teams the San Francisco 49ers the Green Bay Packers the Atlanta Falcons three NFC powerhouses and really three teams that are this past week headlining the Big struggles for the NFC so far. 3-11 against the AFC. Wasn't it supposed to be the NFC being now the powerhouse, the big bad bully? Well, all of a sudden that big bad bully got a punch in the nose and hasn't shown any way to respond. And that's what's happening to these 49ers, Packers, and Falcons. So let's break that down. Let's talk about these three teams for a second. The 49ers, they're 30th in the intelligence index. Dead last in defensive rusher rating. Yes, dead last in defensive rusher rating. Primarily by the six rushing touchdowns allowed through three games. Remember last year, the 49ers allowed just seven rushing touchdowns. The year before that, just three. So in Jim Harbaugh's first two regular seasons, 32 games, just 10 rushing touchdowns allowed. Third season, three games, six rushing touchdowns allowed. Can't blame it all on Colin Kaepernick. But he has struggled immensely these past two games. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions, a passer rating in the 30s. We don't need to go back to the 1930s for passer rating that bad. 40s, 50s, that's, that's not good for Colin Kaepernick. I will say this, he could use some help by getting some healthier receivers. I think what we've learned by now, and if you're a long time CHFF reader you know this that the individual wide receiver is overrated overvalued he's more or less as we like to call the shiny hood ornament of the car that is an NFL team but you need a deep receiving core you need a unit that can work together eventually if all the vanity falls off of the car it's not going to be an appealing ride and who knows maybe just enough of the cracks and protection in those areas might lead to some other things happening that slow up the car. I think that's the case here for Colin Kaepernick. This past week against the Indianapolis Colts, didn't have Vernon Davis to go to, didn't have Michael Crabtree to go to, didn't have Mario Manningham to go to. And for a guy that doesn't even have 16 starts under his belt, 
to be struggling to find guys, not being able to quickly decide who he needs to pass to, here's where his inexperience comes in. Now the question for me is, does it get any better for Colin Kaepernick this Thursday against the St. Louis Rams? I have some interesting things to look at. The split between Colin Kaepernick's NFC West passer rating and the rest of his play. In his career, his passer rating against the NFC West, 72.36. Against the rest of the teams, 105.20. In fact... This past Sunday was the first time Kaepernick's played bad against any team outside the NFC West. So I'm going to give the man a pass. But there's some bigger issues at hand. The cohesiveness of that passing offense is off. That front seven isn't getting the job done, allowing that pass rush to open up because they're getting run all over. And they were completely manhandled by the Indianapolis Colts. It was a sad display to see. I worry about these 49ers. You think about the 49ers being 24th in real quarterback rating. That also came with having the sixth best performance of the season so far, according to our big board. 96 teams entering into this sixth in week one. After that, 88th and 94th in the other two games. And this includes scoreability ranks of 91 and 93 in the last two games. It's a major flop for the 49ers and not a good time when you go up against a division rival in the St. Louis Rams. Yes, a team that is struggling in the quality stats defensively, but Colin Kaepernick, uh, a career passer rating nearly 33 points worse against the division, and that is something to worry about. As for the Packers, I think it's quite simple. One and two, look at the two teams they lost to, the 49ers in week one. Played a great game, had it on offense, had it on defense. They're a balanced team. The Packers right now can't beat the great balanced teams. Cincinnati, same thing. Have an offense, have a defense. Packers can't beat those teams, especially when they're down in the fourth quarter because now Aaron Rodgers is just 5-22 and in fourth quarter comeback opportunities. You lose at San Francisco, lose at Cincinnati. But what's the bigger issue here for me is their horrific pass defense right now. 31st in defensive real passing yards per attempt. 27th in defensive real quarterback rating. 25th and bendability, and then 29th in defensive pass rating, 113.73. Their three opponents so far this season, San Fran, Cincinnati, and Washington, have a combined offensive pass rating of 83.71. So defensively speaking, a relative pass rating of negative 30 and change. I don't know if the Packers are even going to make the playoffs if they keep that up. They need to find a way to get that pass defense going when you have the Chicago Bears 3-0 and the Detroit Lions 2-1 facing off against each other on Sunday. And then finally, those Atlanta Falcons 1-2. I just think right now for them, those two road losses were tough ones against 3-0 teams. Miami and New Orleans, there's not a whole lot here that is bad, that is regressible. 21st in bendability, 23rd in defensive real passing yards per attempt, 22nd in defensive real quarterback rating, 23rd in defensive pass rating, 25th in the defensive hog index. Early on, 
what the stats tell us through these three games is that their defense is below average to mediocre. You played the Saints, you played the Dolphins, and you played the Rams. Outside of what the Saints can do, not what they've done so far in three weeks, that's been pretty much a mediocre trio of offenses to face. Yet, there's mediocre numbers defensively for the Falcons. So, right now, I don't know how much they improve. They should be happy, though. They're in an NFC that is, again, 3-11 against the AFC. And the records are really lacking right now. There's still plenty of room for the Falcons to improve. But that is breaking down the bad of the NFL through three weeks. Well, I hope you're able to reset your ears there while I caught my breath and got myself prepared for a little fun. We're playing a little game here. We're going to not break down the bad anymore. We're going to be a little positive as we look at Breaking Bad. Some of the characters from this fantastic, exhilarating, thrilling show that has you on the edge of your seat. But it's just like the NFL. Exhilarating. Edge of your seat. Interesting characters. Let's compare. Let's look at the Breaking Bad of NFL. Let's begin things off with the main character, Walter White. I'm not going to get into too much details here, as I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but Walter White is the guy that's pretty much Breaking Bad. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, make sure to check it out. Know exactly why he's Breaking Bad, but the bottom line is he began off doing things right. Trying to do it for his family. Eventually, as the series goes on, things get worse. He's acting a lot more like a bad guy. And eventually now, as things get towards the end, he's at a crossroads. Maybe being able to come back to being good once again. Now, who does that sound like? That sounds a lot to me like the New England Patriots. Remember, three Super Bowls in four seasons, they did it the good old Patriot way. Good defense. Solid, efficient Yet not spectacular offense by Tom Brady. He just got the job done. A youngin still able to get the job done. Three Super Bowls in four seasons. However, you turn the corner after that 2006 AFC Championship game loss. In 2007, they were pretty much the birth of the evil empire. The bad guy. Doing anything just to get that score. Trampling over everyone. Nobody likes him. They don't like Tom Brady. They don't like Bill Belichick. They're really good at what they do, but they keep falling short in the postseason. They're still doing things the wrong way. They're, they're, not, they're not good. They're not going to be rewarded with the Super Bowl. But how about this season so far for these Patriots? First in bendability. Second in defensive passer rating. Third in defensive real quarterback rating. Fourth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Maybe, just maybe, they're your heroes once again. We'll have to find out. How about good old Jesse Pinkman? I mean, we all love Aaron Paul. How about a guy who kind of sort of really not so much, but barely 100, maybe 2% looks like him. Alex Smith. That's right. Alex Smith, once upon a time, the much maligned number one draft pick by the San Francisco 49ers. And you see the erratic Jesse Pinkman. You can't like that guy, right? But how do you know? By the end of the show, you're starting to love this guy. Maybe things are all panning out right for these guys. Alex Smith, last two years in San Francisco. This year, so far in Kansas City, a record starting-wise. 22-5-1. 
34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions this past week in Philadelphia, another victory, and albeit a game in which the defense helped out, plus five turnover margin, always going to help out. But when you have a guy like Alex Smith, who doesn't make the game manager label seem all that dirty. You give him the ball in good field position, he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to give it, if he gives it back to the other team, not going to give them great field position. He's going to make the other team work for it. Meanwhile, he gets the opportunities. He just quietly does his job. Quietly finds a way to get this Chiefs team that had two wins last season to a 3-0 and start. Next up, we go back to the White family. Skylar White. Oh, yes, the fantastic wife of Walter. Not a lot of people liked her, especially in season one. And that's kind of the vibe I get from the Cleveland Browns front office after they traded Trent Richardson. But what would you know? The Browns go and win in Minnesota. And who knows? Maybe there's hope after all. Maybe, just maybe, Skylar is doing things right. Maybe the Cleveland Browns front office is doing things right. They get a first-round draft picked after it. The Colts, they were first in Russia rating through two weeks. They might not even have needed Trent Richardson. Ahmad Bradshaw played fantastic in San Francisco on Sunday. The Browns, meanwhile, weren't getting the job done on the ground. Brandon Whedon's injured. They don't know if they really like him. Well, how do you know? You put Brian Hoyer in. He passes very well, despite a few mistakes, and gets the fourth quarter comeback in Minnesota. And you know what? You might have Willis McGahee for the rest of the season. But can it really get any worse than it did in the 0-2 start for the Browns? So maybe just maybe things will work out. And look at that defense. Fifth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Twelfth in defensive pass rating. Tenth in defensive hog index. Fifteenth in defensive quarterback uh, defensive real quarterback rating. You improve that offense through the draft this upcoming season and in free agency. You give some room for your defense maybe to be closer into the game where they can make some plays as the opposing offenses will have to be more aggressive. The Browns' offense stinks. Well, the opposing offenses aren't going to be very aggressive because they're not afraid to give the ball back. So looking at this trade, maybe really bad in the start for the sake of how the franchise looks in 2013, but perhaps better off later on into the Browns' future. Next up, how about the son? How about Walt Jr.? Well, he's clueless. He doesn't know what's going on. He sounds a lot like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bottom eight in pretty much every quality stat, it seems like. And, oh boy, they are hopeless. But let's move on here and let's kind of flip the script to the the, the bad boys of the bunch, those neo-Nazis. You don't want to bother them. They're bad people. And they're going to mess you up. You, you you, You cross them... You're going to pay for it. And that, to me, sounds a lot like the Legion of Boom, that Seattle Seahawks defense, top six in every defensive indicator. And, well, those guys have a swagger to them as well. I mean, look, we're not going to compare legitimate bad things these guys do to a football field. We're going to have fun with it. Richard Sherman talks a lot of trash, gets the job done, though, with those nasty interceptions shutting down the San Francisco 49ers, shutting down the Carolina Panthers, shutting down the Jacksonville Jaguars, that front seven. They're going to be relentless as their depth continues to get better, as Chris Clemens continues to get healthier, and other guys come back to that unit and get stronger. Next up, I look at Hank Schrader, and I can't think of anyone better than a guy who's a DEA agent 
feeling pressure from the bad guys and his superiors and other people in his agency than a guy like Tom Coughlin. Nearly thrown out of New York in 2007, wins the Super Bowl. Nearly thrown out of New York in 2011, wins the Super Bowl. The question now is, with crap hitting the fan once again, is this the time Tom Coughlin goes? Or can he find a way for the third time to make these giants somehow pull a magic rabbit out of its hat? I'm curious to know about that. And then we look now at Mike Airman Trout and we think about London Fletcher. He's good old reliable London Fletcher. He gets the job done. 23 tackles this year, a sack, a stuff. And what, is he like 50, 60 years old? You know what? He's still risking his life out there playing linebacker, doing the job of Washington Redskins. Asked. They're not a good team right now, especially on defense. But Fletcher still seems to be making his impact felt. And then finally, well, I'm hoping I can find a better answer by the time they have the spinoff for Saul Goodman. Because right now, the most comedic character I can find out in the NFL, currently Rex Ryan. I don't really like that guy. And I would like to see someone who's a little bit more fun rather than annoying who's the clown of the NFL. But the Jets are 2-1, and one, so... He does deserve a shout-out. Things are kind of working out right now. Business is good for Saul. Business is good for Rex. But come on. I would like to see the guys like Chad Ochocinco come back or Terrell Owens or Clinton Portis, guys who really make things a little bit more fun than annoying. But I digress. I have to wrap things up here. But I hope everyone has fun with what comes up this week with Breaking Bad. Enjoy it. Get a taste of the CHFF Insider as Adam takes a look at this week's statistical big boards. Moving on now, we have to get back with the show here, look at week three, and look at the big board, which is exclusive to the Cold Hard Football Facts Insiders. We give you a little taste here, let you know about the Houston Texans. They're struggling bendability. So far, you have 96 teams eligible for the big board. One team had a shutout. The Carolina Panthers. Let's take that away. The other 95 games for teams in bendability. Houston in week one, 91st. Week two, 88th. Week three, 94th. Does that seem like a problem here? I would say so. The best bendability for the Houston Texans, 10.33. When is this finally going to stop for the Houston Texans? And is this something that we have to seriously take as a threat to the Texans winning the AFC South? The Titans played well in their comeback victory against the Chargers. Jake Locker showing a little bit with a 95-yard game-winning drive. The Colts winning in San Francisco. It's not going to be easy-peasy now for the Houston Texans. And they host the Seattle Seahawks in Week 4, by the way. Meanwhile, while we're talking about bendability, let's also look at uh, some of the best shot, best performances and some of the worst performances happening in Week 3. They're the two best of the season so far, the shutout by the Panthers in New England, allowing 107.67 yards for the three points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then again, though, you have the three worst. We already mentioned the Houston Texans, but you also have to throw in Green Bay against Cincinnati. The Bengals need just 8.74 yards per point. And then those Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bears, 
getting the victory, scoring 40 points, barely over 250 yards. They needed just 6.45 yards per point scored. Next up here for the big board, we look at the dominance. Finally, we see some blowout victories after a lot of close games in the first two weeks. And if you're a fan, a lot of them had those hearts pounding very hard. It was nice to see if you're Seahawks, Panthers, Cowboys, or Saints fans putting up four of the five best real quarterback rating differentials of the season so far and four of the season's eight best passer rating differentials. In fact, four of the season's eight of 50 or better passer rating differential. Those first two weeks, just four and two weeks, much lower than the average last year when there was 54 in those 16 games, well over three per week. Now getting closer back to that average, but the Seahawks plus 89.81 in real quarterback rating differential. The Panthers were just under 70, the Cowboys just under 80, and the Saints just under 55. Some dominant performances by those teams. And then finally, how about the New York Jets having the best real passing yards per attempt of the season so far? 11.41, your GOAT of the week, Justin Rogers of the Buffalo Bills, the poor guy was absolutely destroyed being attacked while he was playing cornerback. Rough day for him. I hope he bounces back. I mean, the guy hasn't done anything wrong to me personally. Why not root for the best for him to bounce back after a rough day in New York? But that closes up our big board from week three. Need help with your prop bets? Adam gives you an inside scoop by review in this week's bets from the king of props. Next up, we have our week in review of the King of Props. And, oh boy, King of Props doing fantastic once again. 9-3 and three now in the season after going 3-1 and one last week. And really only one misstep coming in Monday Night Football when he picked Julius Thomas to have over 55.5 receiving yards. Well, the Broncos still got things going. They had three guys head over that mark, but they happened to be the three wide receivers. Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker... Wes Welker, it kind of went as expected. You would think, though, to think outside the box sometimes. Go with the tight end maybe to get a good amount of yardage. Thomas only had 37 yards on three catches. Did have a touchdown, though. But the other three props showing where this man shines, Mr. Dudley. And Michael Vick being picked. You take the minus 20.5 rushing yards compared to Alex Smith. Thursday night football wasn't even close. Vick, 99 Smith, 32. That was an easy choice. The over on the 79.5 rushing yards for Frank Gore. Well, this one probably had to be sweated out a lot more than expected. Frank Gore had just 11 carries, but 82 yards. And Well, here's the thing. When you understand the props and you understand the players and the matchups and the quality stats, you would understand that the Colts were struggling against the run. Yes, the number one team through two weeks an offensive rusher rating, but defensively in terms of the rusher rating, things really weren't getting any better last week or this week. The Colts 29th in defensive rusher rating, so Gore got the bang for his buck, so did the king of props. And then finally, Muhammad Sanu, over three and a half receptions, he got four, and the king of props perfectly explaining why he took the over. The Bengals going with short routes with Sanu, that was the case against the Green Bay Packers. And I think that's going to be the case moving forward 
uh, with Andy Dalton and crew and how they use the former Rutgers receiver in Sanu. He had a lot of catches at Rutgers. He's a guy that knows how to get open and can be using those short passes for some yak. And that was a fantastic pick by the King of Props. You can find out the King of Props and his picks by becoming a Cold Hard Football Facts Insider. And again, you get premium online football analysis and tools for picking games, for understanding fantasy football even sometimes, knowing the matchups a little bit better, and much more. You can get it for just $99 or do the Weekly Insider for $9.95. That wraps up our King of Props. Now let's look ahead to see which teams are the best and worst bets for this upcoming week with a preview from the Intelligence Index. One other thing important to know from the Cold Hard Football Facts Insiders is you have another key stat that can teach you how to bet against the spread, and that's the Intelligence Index. And we look ahead to week four, some things that quickly stand out to me. First things first, we already mentioned the Houston Texans. Can things get any worse for the Texans? They're 28th in the Intelligence Index because of their piss-poor bendability while they face the Seattle Seahawks, number one in the Intelligence Index last year and this year, the Seahawks. That is probably your difference, although they are on the road in an early game in Houston, a tough spot for them. They might still be able to use their smarts to get out alive and get out with a victory. Meanwhile, I ask the same for the New York Giants. They've struggled so much with turnovers. Now the 29th in the Intelligence Index, it doesn't get any easier with captain stability in Alex Smith. The Chiefs are second in the intelligence index. Smith isn't turning the ball over. That front seven of the Chiefs defense doing a fantastic job. The secondary picking up the scraps, getting those turnovers, making the big plays. I don't think there's an end in sight for the Giants right now. It's at Arrowhead. I know you're tempted to pick the Giants because of their history and the lack thereof of the Chiefs over the last five to ten years. But the stats say, pick the Kansas City Chiefs. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons, will they struggle at home Sunday night football against the New England Patriots because a teammate in the Falcons is an average right now, slightly below uh, the even mark for the intelligence index? You go up against the fourth-ranked Patriots. This is a big spot for the Falcons, one and two, home for Sunday night football. The Patriots are going to make it tough to get that victory. They'll play smart football. But I'm also looking at the Jets. Could they struggle in Tennessee? Yes, a big game for the real passing yards per attempt, but they shot themselves in a foot uh, where they had to really struggle to get some of those points until that big pass to San Antonio Holmes. It was somewhere, uh, I think at one point in the game, where it was nearly 20 yards per point around uh, the th- third or fourth quarter mark for the Jets. Overall, though, uh, for the season, a negative 4.44 intelligence index on the road against the Titans, which have a positive intelligence index and then how about the dallas cowboys shout out to them they've been one of the easiest picks over the years because usually the people and the polls overrate the dallas cowboys how about this to the cowboys starting the year three and oh against the spread and doing well in the intelligence index they're scoring touchdowns in the first quarter back-to-back weeks oh my goodness if you're a cowboys fan pinch yourself but the cowboys well what can they do as they go to San Diego. Is this going to be a case 
where the Cowboys start to get overrated? Well, both the Cowboys and the Chargers are a bit inconsistent, and uh, we're, we're curious to see where the line goes uh, when things close. But keep a lookout for the Cowboys. Uh, they and the Chargers are both top 10 teams. They're one of two great matchups for Week 6, according to the Intelligence Index. Two top 10 matchups, Cowboys at Chargers. Cowboys just slightly over plus 6 for the Intelligence Index. San Diego plus 3.6. The other one, the Monday Night Football game, Miami at New Orleans. Miami is 5th in the Intelligence Index. New Orleans, 7th. I would stay away from those games betting-wise, but... I think those are going to be your two best bets in terms of quality games for the week. Let's wrap the program with what's best for the week ahead. It's the six-pack of top games for this coming week. Well, while we're at it, we might as well take a look, closing things off with our six-pack of top games for week four. This is going to be a fun week, as it has been already so far. Uh, through the first three weeks, but I'm looking for a few more things. Beginning things off with Philadelphia at Denver. This is going to be just an awesome matchup offensively speaking. The Eagles are struggling defensively, but offensively outside of that huge egg they laid against the Chiefs in week three. Remember week two, they had an offensive pass rating and offensive rush rating of 120 or better. Can they get that job done against the Broncos team that, shh, be quiet. They're doing well passing-wise on defense. Ninth in defensive real quarterback rating. Eighth in defensive passer rating. Second in the defensive hog index without Von Miller. Can the Eagles find a way to get some dent into the Broncos with their defense going up against Peyton Manning who has 12 touchdowns and zero interceptions? This game could be 42-35. I don't know. It could be 42-7. The Broncos may make another huge statement. That's at home this Sunday in the 4 o'clock games. Next up, the second game I'm looking forward to. Yep, you have to look at Chicago-Detroit leading the NFC North. And this matchup could determine who's the favorite if the Packers can't get the job done. These two teams right in the middle in the intelligence index. Neither way. Uh, are these teams too smart or too dumb so far? It's going to come down to the stats, and the Lions are winning the passing game right now, offensively speaking and defensively speaking. They're fourth in real quarterback rating differential. They're third in passer rating differential. Could the Lions be a secretly strong playoff team in the future down in the NFC? Well, we'll know. Going up against that Bears team that leads all the NFL with 11 takeaways. Number three on my list, Jets at Titans. Yes, I'll say it again. Jets at Titans is a very good one. Uh, that's third on my list. As I, I'm a little bit more intrigued by this game uh, than what I probably should be. But I want to see which team doesn't belong going 3-1. and one. Because that's what this is about in the NFL. Having the team that comes out of nowhere. And the Titans, they're playing some solid defense right now. Not outstanding. Ninth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. But they're getting the job done 
in terms of their real quarterback rating. They're ninth in real quarterback rating differential, and they have a chance to be 3-1. and one. They were the team I thought that could have been a frontrunner for the first overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft, and here they are having a chance to be 3-1. and one. Next up, I look at New England at Atlanta. That's fourth on my list. Patriots at Falcons. Well, that one speaks for itself. You have uh, two... And if, or two cha- uh, conference championship game losers from last season facing off in Atlanta, and the Falcons are 1-2. They're still 7th in real passing yards per attempt, still 4th in real quarterback rating, and still 6th in offensive pass rating. And oh, by the way, they have the best offensive hogs in the league. But they're going up against a Patriots defense that we already mentioned might be going back to their old heroic selves. And then number 2 of our top games, Seattle at Houston. The Seahawks in Houston in an early game. This could be a landmark victory for them. The Texans still 2-1, and one, but they're not playing like it. This could be a way for them to bounce back and really show that they are still one of the top teams in the AFC. And then finally, it's the Monday night football game. Miami at New Orleans, 3-0 against 3-0. The Dolphins are 5th in passer rating differential. The mother of all stats here, cold hard football facts. They're fifth also, by the way, in Russia rating differential. They're just an efficient team all around right now. The Saints, though, they're getting the job done defensively so far under Rob Ryan. Eighth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Fourth in defensive real quarterback rating. Fourth in defensive passer rating. If they can do this Without ideal production so far from Drew Brees, their 15th in real quarterback rating and 15th in offensive pass rating. Imagine where this team will be when Brees is hitting his elite stride once again. Bonus one, not in the top six, but Dallas at San Diego already mentioned the Intelligence Index expects that game to be fantastic. We have a lot of good games. That's seven right there that I mentioned, and not even the Thursday night game, San Francisco at St. Louis with huge implications. That's an eighth one. Even the Giants, Kansas City is intriguing to see how those two teams are straying from where they're at. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm pumped for week four, and I'm going to close things out here on the show. That does it for this edition of Stat Pack. For all you Breaking Bad fans out there, enjoy the finale, but DVR it, please. New England-Atlanta is going to be a fantastic game Sunday night. It's going to be a fun time for everyone. Enjoy your week four, everybody. Thank you.